0: Welcome to the chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number one twenty-five of Chalk Talk. I'm your host Shane Half, and you can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at Shane Half NFL. I'm joined today by the best co-host in the game. You've heard him on the Tough Cover Radio Show. It is Mark Henry Jr. Go give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore Mark. How are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing well. Uh, I want to apologize to the Chalk Talk Army out there for my. My lackluster audio and vi- and uh, video here. Uh, we got we got some technological difficulties, but we're working through it. Um, hopefully, it's not too bad. But yeah, uh, I Eagles are four and zero. Life can't be too bad.
0: Yeah, uh, our Mark's laptop's fried. Fortunately, uh, those of you listening on audio platforms later, uh, our wonderful executive producer will do his best to fix that audio. Uh, that's me, by the way. Uh, so uh, also a note for those of you that are are listening later, uh, those of you that are watching live already know this, but we're doing this on Monday night. I uh, had some scheduling difficulties this week, so uh, we won't be talking about Monday night football. That game is about to kick off as we're recording. So uh, no Giants uh, Seahawks talk on this podcast. Sorry if you are a Seahawk or Giant fan, uh, but that's Spoiler how it breaks alert. sometimes.
1: Spoiler alert, Seahawks win. That, that's a fun one I can throw there, because if I'm wrong, you can make fun of me. You can clip this up. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive into it. We'll start, as we always do, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, victory over the Washington Commanders, 34-31 to in overtime. Now, last year, Washington came into Philadelphia, and they beat the Eagles to hand them their first loss of the year, and this game felt like that at the start. Long scoring drives, ball control, all of a sudden Washington's up by 10 points and it's getting close to halftime. Uh, The Eagles are able to get a field goal, cut it to seven at the half. And then in the second half, the Eagles really kind of took control of the game offensively. And then all of a sudden, as you're starting to feel good about it, the defense falls apart and gives up two fourth quarter touchdowns. Uh, Fortunately, they get a three and out in overtime and the Eagles win the game. Mark, what were your thoughts as you're watching this game?
1: Not positive. Uh, they, they were negative thoughts. Yeah. Um, I, I think you can leave the offense to talk about later. And, and honestly, I, I think the offense is the last thing to be concerned about coming out of that game. Um, man, I am shocked at how bad the defense was in that game. I've made no bones about how low I am on the commanders. Um, and I, I'm not, walking out of this game like a lot of people are saying, "Whoa, the commanders are better than people think. And they gave us a hard game and they played as hard. I I think that game was close because we allowed it to be. And and that game should never have been as close as it was. And the Eagles were the reason Eagles playing down instead of the commanders playing up on offense was the reason for that game to go the way that it did. Um, I go back and forth on if I want to push the panic button on the defense on if I want to say like, I am really concerned about this from a long-term perspective or if it's something where, you know, they seem to have a good game plan against us defensively uh, in terms of their offense against our defense. Uh, I will say, and, You know, this is the same stuff we complained about with Gannon. So, you know, I think it's just going to be whoever the defensive coordinator is. And I think Jonathan Gannon deserves some apologies, as we've talked about. But I would like to see, you know, our whole philosophy defensively is based on the defensive line getting to the quarterback. If the offense going against us decides let's do two-step and three-step drops to combat that and to make sure that, you know, that's not how they beat us then maybe let's move the corners up maybe let's be a little bit more aggressive with how we play in the secondary because if it's clear that the reason that we're dropping the corners back is to limit explosive plays and because we trust the defensive line to get after it if they're doing two-step and three-step drops that already limits explosive plays so if that's the case and they're doing that then come up and cheat a little bit in terms of the corners. I was really disappointed in the corner play from pretty much everybody involved um, in in this game from the Eagles.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And um, honestly, I think the the pass rush, it started slow. Um, Mm -hmm. But the pass rush was pretty good. Uh, The Eagles had four different pass rushers generate at least six pressures. Josh Sweat with nine. Hassan Reddick seven. Brandon Graham and Jalen Carter each had six. Fletcher Cox had four. Um, I really didn't add, this isn't to, not to take away from the atrociousness that was the Eagles secondary, but I thought the commanders had a good plan. I thought Sam Howell played really well. He finishes 29 of 41 for 290 yards and a touchdown. Uh, He ran for 40 yards. He, He broke contain a few times. Uh, he directs a game-tying drive in the final minute 43. I thought the issues that have been present for the Eagles all year were present in this game. They have trouble with bunches. They have trouble with motion, pre-snap motion, that changes the passing strength. Those are the, those are the two weaknesses in this defense that you just smash that button if you're an opposing offensive coordinator, and they've got to figure something out. Now, uh, Terrell Edmonds is a total liability in coverage. Hopefully you get Justin Evans back. Uh, you get Sydney Brown back. I I think you could make an argument to put Sydney Brown in the slot some more and get uh, Josh Job off the field. Not that I think Josh job has been awful. I, I said I said on Twitter that he struggled and people were like people were like he hasn't been that bad and other people were like he should be on the practice squad. I'm like that's not what I said. He just, he struggled. It's expected, but he hasn't stepped into that role. I would like to get Bradbury back to the outside and try Sydney Brown in the slot, but you got to get those guys healthy, and that's a huge thing right now that's really hamstringing this defense, I feel like.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, You also need Darius Slay to play like a CB1 Mm -hmm. and to be better. I know people don't like hearing that, but I think that's true. Uh, And, yeah, I I think the secondary – I think a lot of it is scheme-based, though. And we can talk about Joe. We can talk about Sidney Brown. We can talk about who we want to play where. But when you're lining guys up as far as off the line of the scrimmage as they do, I'm fine with it in general. But when the offense adjusts, you also have to adjust. That That's the whole point of this. And it's pretty crazy to see the one team that our defense did dominate, and we're going to talk about all the games, obviously, not to get away from this game. The <laughs> one team that our defense did dominate almost start to finish is the team that's 3-0 and in the games so they they haven't played us, the Tampa Bay Bucks are sitting there at three and one their offense has been mostly great outside Mm -hmm. of the games they played us we dominated them so it's hard for me to know what our defense is after the last two weeks when two weeks ago against Tampa who I don't think is great I don't even know if they're a good offense but I don't think they're terrible beyond belief and that Tampa game they shut down that Tampa offense this Washington game one of the worst defensive performances in recent memory for the Eagles. So it's hard to get too high off the one game or too low off the other. I'm sure it's somewhere in the middle. And that's kind of – this is a big-time week coming up here in the Rams game uh, for the Eagles' defense to kind of show what they're made of. And depending on injuries, they might have Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell, who have been really good. Kyron Williams has been really good. Um, out of the backfield as a as a weapon in the passing game as well. And maybe Cooper Cup. And I know this isn't a preview pod, but the Rams are the next opponent. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons to be concerned about that game in terms of the defensive side of the ball. A- and I-, I think the last time people were this concerned about the defensive side of the ball was after week two because they allowed that game to get close with Minnesota. And I think a lot of that was on the defense and they responded with that Tampa game. How, I guess it's a, a lot of, this is going to come down to how they respond against a, a, a now a banged up Matthew Stafford and a Rams team that is still weak on the offensive line. So you hope that defensive line can be an X factor in that game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here, here's a cool stat I'll throw at you. I got from NFL research uh, just the Eagles haven't played their a game and the Eagles were down 10 in this game. The thing I always come back to this team never lets things snowball. They never are reeling. They're always calm, collected. I think they reflect the leadership of Jalen hurts who according to NFL research has won each of the last five regular season starts in which his team trailed by 10 or more points. They're never out of a game. They're never out of a game. It doesn't matter how it's going. You trust that somehow they're going to get back into it. And we said at the start of the year, this schedule gets brutal. You know, the dolphins into the bills, into the chiefs, into the 49ers and the Cowboys twice. Like it is a brutal November, December stretch. And we said they get a easy on ramp. You slowly ramp up six really winnable games before that stretch starts the Eagles are stacking wins like we said they needed to. There's issues that are obvious, and although they've stacked the wins, they're running out of time to work those issues out. I was trying to think today: would I feel better if the Eagles were three and one, having blown out three teams and lost to the Cardinals, like the Dallas Cowboys have, or would I feel better at four and zero with? Some shaky wins, like you haven't felt great about a lot of the wins, but they are wins. And I mean, ultimately you want the wins, but you would like to see a little more dominance at the end of the day, they are stacking wins though. And that's what September, October football is about stacking wins and staying healthy.
1: Yeah. It's not the BCS. I don't care about style points. I'd rather be four and than than be three and one with it with a, you know, a really impressive three wins for sure, especially with the upcoming schedule. Um, all, all of that for sure. I, I especially I think the the reason that I feel that way, and I might not feel that way if we were some unproven team like maybe last year, I would have answered differently. Mm-hmm. But this is a team that went what 15 and 2, 14 and three last year and went to the Super Bowl in dominating fashion and went toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes in, in the Super Bowl. Um, and this is a guy in Jalen Hurts who has won. Now 21 of his last 22 regular season starts. And, you know, that number was, you know, 17 of 18 before this year. So if they weren't, if I didn't feel so good about the roster and so good about the quarterback and so good about the leadership in general about the team, then maybe I'd get a little bit more concerned. Um, But everything I just said about the defense, I think there are just an absolute ton of positive takeaways to have from the offense. And I know that you were uh, getting into it online a little bit about Jalen Hurts. Um, And and I don't disagree with the criticism you made about him kind of giving himself up a little bit easier this year. And I agree with kind of your comeback against the people saying um, that specific play, uh, he's being safe. That corner is not going to hurt him. I, I totally agree with you. I think he has been a little bit too a little bit too safe on some of those in my opinion i wouldn't say let's go ahead and have him be more aggressive on those i would just eliminate them like i i think the quarterback runs are never i I, i'm not a big fan of the quarterback runs i think jalen's legs are best used when it's improvisational i've always said that when it's third down when it's second down and you need those yards that's how i like jalen's legs to be used I don't want to go to that well too many times, especially when our running game with our running back is just so good anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you call one or two a game to keep to keep the defense honest, really, more than right. anything else. But I, I I don't think the answer is, you know, let's continue doing those and have him run through people. I think it's probably just don't call those. But regardless of that, I got sidetracked there. Um, a good comment. I think we can go undefeated through October if we continue to improve each week. I said, going into week two, if they won week two, they would be 6-0. and So I still feel good about that, even though I think this week five, coming up against the Rams, is our toughest test of the year. Um, I do think week six against Zach Wilson, I don't care how Zach Wilson looked on Sunday Night Football. The Eagles are beating Zach Wilson. I don't see any scenario they lose that game. Famous last words. But this week five will be our toughest test. I do think the Eagles start the season six and zero. To to be quite honest, if you if you I mean, they're a four and a half point favorite, so Vegas agrees as well. Um, but Jalen Hurts, outside of that conversation, I got sidetracked on there. Jalen Hurts played fantastic in this game. I thought that the especially with his arm. I thought in terms of his passing in this game. I thought he was elite. I thought it was his best game of the year. I thought he was the reason they won this game, uh, beyond the shadow of a doubt. Uh, um, A.J. Brown was awesome. Devontae had an incredible catch. Um, I I, I I think DeAndre Swift, I know the stats maybe weren't as glamorous for DeAndre Swift, but I was still like, he had a couple five-yard runs that I was like, wow. Like, that should have been minus one yard, minus two yards, and he turned it into a positive play. Which is just as valuable as a ten-yard run sometimes. So, um, I, I thought everyone on offense pretty much played well. I will say, tough game for Jordan Mailata.
0: I, you know, I didn't think it was as bad as some people did. Uh, to be honest, I, it it wasn't his best game. Uh, he had a few moments, and I think I think the biggest thing is a few of his moments were uh, they were really bad Uh, they were they were very noticeably bad and i think that's what gets people but i mean if you go look at if you go look at his charting for the game uh he see he had 45 uh 45 pass blocking snaps he allowed four pressures three hurries and a hit it's not the worst like it that's the game yeah yeah but that that one sack he allowed that one he just got blown by it was a very bad look for him
1: and he had a penalty as well right yeah. Um, I think he had a pretty bad penalty there that, that caused us a bit. So, yeah, it, just a couple loud moments. You're probably, I mean, you're right. I mean, that's like the whole thing about being an offensive lineman. You can play 58, 58 <laughs> snaps. You have one really bad snap where you allow pressure and one penalty. And that's what I'm going to remember from the game. Um, but it did feel like Chase Young was, you know, a constant factor in, in this game, whether it be in the run game, whether it be in the pass game. I, I didn't think my lot had his best game. Um, I didn't think Lane had his best game. Yeah. Um to, to be quite honest on the other side. And Washington's defensive line did a lot better than I would have hoped. Cam Juergen's getting hurt. I think hurt a lot. Sua Opeta didn't look up to snuff, in my opinion, um, on the offensive line. But taking all of that aside, I, I think, you know, negative. You, you look at, obviously, he didn't play a perfect game. Jalen Hurts showed why he's a top five quarterback in this game. And he's actually still, like, third in MVP odds.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a good game for him. Hopefully, he can. Hopefully, they can continue that. I mean, it is it is the best offensive performance of the year, despite still some shakiness and despite settling for some field goals where you'd like touchdowns. They really moved the ball well. So, all right. Uh, any other thought? Any final other final thoughts on the Eagles game before we move on to the Sun or the other Sunday games or we'd the Thursday re- game? We'll go to
1: Thursday first, but we'd be remiss without mentioning that I think you know Jimmy Kemsky talked about it. Um, Not my oh, – actually, I that reminds me. I want to talk about that, the Devontae Smith – well, I guess this kind of – I'm dirty in the lead here. Jake Elliott, is he the greatest kicker in Eagles history? Has he surpassed David Akers? David Akers wasn't on a Super Bowl team. Jake Elliott was. He made some big kicks in that Super Bowl. He went to another Super Bowl. Now this year, he's hit multiple huge clutch kicks, especially this one. Um, he obviously had the one in the Super Bowl year, the Carson Wentz game check famous field goal. Um, I I was not nervous when Jake Elliott stepped up to kick that 54-yarder at all. As soon as Devontae Smith caught that ball, I was like, oh, okay, there we go. We're we're yeah. good. We're, we're going to make this field goal. I was more nervous when he kicked a 36-yarder in the second quarter than when he kicked a 54-yarder to win the game. Jake Elliott's got ice running through his veins. I think he's the best Eagles kicker of my lifetime at least.
0: Yeah. When, when they walked Elliot out for the 54 yard field goal, I was already getting my stuff set up for the post game show. Cause I knew it was over. <laughs> and what's funny, you go back to his rookie year, obviously he hits the 61 yarder in his first game in the NFL. And then he was bad after that to the point, mm-hmm. like there was an audio clip of Jason Peters telling him when he was going out to kick a field goal, don't you miss this kick? Like, <laughs> and ever since then, which maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe Jason Peters just needs to sure. any kicker, scare him straight. But, yeah, Jake Elliott, in my opinion, if you're assigning an MVP award right now for the Eagles, it goes to Jake Elliott. <laughs> it just they, they, might. They legitimately might be one and three without Jake Elliott.
1: He's, he has been so good. And in that game, he. he I mean, that kick to, to to finish the game like that is just, that's ice in your veins. And I'd be remiss to not mention the the tweet that I – you know, screen grabbed of Jimmy Kensky's thread that I'm getting constant notifications for now. Um, it's so funny, like what takes off on Twitter and then what gets like three likes. Um, but Devonte Smith calls Jake Elliott chicken little. And he, he goes on this whole, you know, back and forth with the reporter explaining why he calls him chicken little. He goes, have you ever seen the movie? Dude looks like chicken little. And then the next tweet, like, uh, Jake Elliott on nickname, not a fan. <laughs> and if you watch the clip, it's even funnier than that. But it, it's just like, yeah, he's never called me that to my face. I don't like that. Like, it, well, It's so funny. What
0: makes it even funnier is when you realize it's Devonte Smith, who's literally Jake Elliott's size, yeah. <laughs> calling him Chicken Little.
1: That's great. By the way, Devonte Smith. Uh, not to get sidetracked because I, I Jake Elliott was the only thing I wanted to talk about before getting out of this game. Not that he had his best game or anything, Smith, statistically. But, oh my God, the fact that he is just able to go up and get balls the way that he is. That was not, and I say this every time he does this, I feel like on this show. That was not something we factored in mm-hmm. when we were talking about him as a top 10 prospect in the draft and a Heisman winner. Like, he wasn't doing that. Like he was, I mean, sometimes he would get contested catches, not like that, not like jumping up for 50, 50 balls and being able to be the highest jumper and coming down with it. Like he has just developed in so, and he's become way more of even like a deep threat than I would have expected in in the NFL. Like he is. And obviously it goes without saying he's the best, one of the best route runners in the sport. He's one of the best separation creators in the sport you know, great in intermediate routes, great in quick routes, great in like great at everything that got him a Heisman and everything that didn't get him a Heisman. He's become great at like he is to me a top 10 receiver without question. And every week watching him, I I just walk away more impressed.
0: Yeah. He's very impressive. And like you said, that's, he was not a contested catch guy coming out and he's pretty much turned into that uh, over the last couple of years. So Maybe AJ Brown's teaching him a thing or two there. Yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: Okay. All By right. By the let's... way, I do wanna I do want to also mention I was upset with AJ Brown for the taunting during the game because I did feel like he was I, I generally like don't care about that stuff at all. But I did uh-huh. feel like he was legitimately bullying at Washington corner for the entire game. He had like eight catches for 180 yards and whatever, two touchdowns or whatever he had. And he kept rubbing it in his face and kept like get putting his fingers and hands right in the guy's helmet and right in the guy's face and stuff and I was like dude you're killing him like you' you're you're making the point like he can't cover you dude like stop he's already dead yeah exactly like so I did get frustrated when, when when the taunting penalty happened but what I will say was um how he handled it in the post game I was incredibly impressed by he was like Super contrite about it. Said Jalen yelled at him. Said you know he's a vet. He's got to be better and all that stuff. Do I think AJ Brown will get into it with a corner in the next three weeks? Yeah, probably. But no, I did think sure. I did think that it, it was. I was impressed by him. You know, coming out and doing it.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, got a comment I had a donation coming in here from Clutch City 71 on YouTube. Salute to you guys. Love the work you guys do. Thank you very much. Uh, Really appreciate that. Uh, Thanks for tuning into the show here. Maybe we'll leave that one up here for a minute. Uh, As we roll on to our Thursday night game, uh, which was the Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Detroit dominated this game in the first half, had a 27-3 lead at halftime. They outgained the Packers 284 yards to 21 yards. Uh, Detroit got after Jordan Love without blitzing. They only called one blitz on the night, but they recorded five sacks. Uh, Aiden Hutch- Hutchinsons uh, had career highs in both QB pressures with eight and pressure rate at 21.1%. And then Detroit dominated the trenches on offense as well. And it wasn't sexy. David Montgomery had 121 yards, but it took him 32 carries. He had three touchdowns, but Detroit held the ball for almost 38 minutes in this game. Uh, Green Bay continues to start games slow. Jordan Love was one for seven on his first seven passing attempts with nine yards and an interception. Uh, Somebody needs to tell the Green Bay Packers there's two halves to a football game and you start playing (laughs) in the first half because it's the second week in a row that they – actually, it's the third week in a row they've done that. Just three weeks ago they were able to climb out of the hole.
1: Yeah, you know, this is one of those games where now I have to kind of look were you fully wrong about a team you know like were you not were you fully wrong to be dismissive of the Lions and them as a 9-8 team is this a 12 plus win team in Detroit all of a sudden Um, because I I think it might be Um, and Jared Goff is playing the best football of his career not a poor man's Matt Ryan shout out to Ryan Fitzpatrick did you see that clip no oh you didn't your doppelganger Ryan Fitzpatrick got himself in some trouble um on the pre for the on the pregame for the Lions game, Fitzpatrick made a comment saying that Goff was a poor man's Matt Ryan. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. I didn't see the clip, but I heard people talking about it. And then Matt and then Goff went on the postgame and said, I didn't think I was a poor man's anything out there tonight. And Fitzpatrick was like, Oh, did you tell him Whitworth? And Whitworth's like, I didn't send them a message. And Goff's like, No, nah, I saw it in the locker room. But he was cool about it. it I, I liked it a lot. Um, but, yeah, Detroit played incredible in this game. I've had questions about the defense. I've had questions about the coach. I've had questions in general. I think they're probably a top-10 team in the NFL. I think they're probably the fourth-best team in the NFC. And uh, I guess I kind of just have to suck it up and be wrong.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like the Packers are not going to end up emerging from that division. I do think they have a shot. And there's been flashes from Love, but he's been inconsistent. Detroit's been really good. So I think Detroit's been a little better than I thought. Jordan Love hasn't been quite as good as I thought. And, I mean, if I was making my pick today, I'd say that the Lions are going to win that division.
1: Yeah, that's certainly what it looks like right now.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's go on to the Sunday window. We had an early game in Jacksonville as the – Jet. excuse me, in London – It's basically a home game for Jacksonville, though. It seems like they play there every year. Uh, Jacksonville wins 23 to 7 over Atlanta. Uh, They outgained Atlanta 146 yards to 5 yards in the first quarter. Uh, (laughs) Josh Allen recorded three sacks, including a game-ending strip sack. That's your boy. Uh, It always throws me when I have Josh Allen getting sacks in my notes, just for a second, if I'm talking about the quarterback getting sacked or the defensive end getting sacks, but. Uh, Desmond Ritter threw interceptions on back-to-back passes in the second quarter, the first of which was a pick six. Um, And Desmond Ritter is just atrocious. This is why you should have played him last year, so you could find out. Like Bijan Robinson rushed for 105 yards on 14 carries, 48 rushing yards over expectation. He's the only player with two such games this season. If the Falcons want to make the playoffs, it's time to start Taylor Heineke. Like, Ritter's done. Ritter's not an
1: NFL quarterback. It's time to go to Taylor Heineke. That's my take. The Falcons not mortgaging their future for Lamar Jackson looks worse every single day. Um, Desmond Ritter is just, he's terrible. He's not a backup quarterback, I don't think, let alone a starting quarterback. Um, I I don't think, I think the Falcons are going to go into a free fall. Um, For instance, I they open, I know this, I I always, you know, start previewing next week, but I know that they opened this week against the Texans as a three-point favorite against the Texans in Atlanta. That has been bet down to being a pick now, which I think is probably closer to correct. But mm-hmm. there is no scenario where Atlanta should be favored over Houston right now, in my opinion. I don't care if the game's played in Atlanta. Um, I, I think that Atlanta is going to end up being one of the five to seven worst teams in football. Um, having said all that, this is the exact type of performance you'd want to see out of Jacksonville. Uh, they at least handled business. You know, maybe the offense wasn't as explosive as you'd like it to be, but you handled business and you controlled the entire game. And I think Jacksonville is going to get back on track. And this is a big test this week for them coming with Buffalo. Um, so mm-hmm. we're going to find out a lot about both of these teams. Yeah. Well,
0: speaking of Buffalo, let's go to Buffalo.
1: Uh, where the Buffalo Bills
0: dethroned the greatest show on turf. They beat the Miami Dolphins 48 to 20. And I mean, this game, Josh Allen just put on his cape and he showed everybody who has the best offense in the NFL. He was 21 to 25, 320 yards and four touchdowns. He had a perfect passer rating as the Bills scored touchdowns on four of their first five possessions. But And as much credit as Josh Allen deserves, Buffalo's defense also slowed Miami down. They've looked near unstoppable. They they still got 393 yards, but the Bills were able to pressure Tua. They were able to take away the first read. and Miami Miami only had four explosive passing plays. Now, a lot of teams would kill for four explosive passing plays in one game. That's a bad day in the office for an offense with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. Uh, Stephon Diggs had six catches for 112 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, the bad news for the Bills in this one is Tredavious White. Suffered an injury. It was it's feared to have been an Achilles injury. As of recording, I haven't heard confirmation on that. But usually, when that stuff leaks out, that ends up being the case.
1: Yeah, the Bills own the Dolphins. I think we can say that pretty definitively. I think McDermott hasn't lost to Miami at home um, since he's been the coach of Buffalo. I think they're nine and one in their last ten against Miami. Um, but yeah, Buffalo has absolutely been the best team over the last three weeks. And then Tredavious White is just a gut punch. I mean, he's probably their one of their top ten, top, maybe even fringe top five, most important players on their team. They were about to get Von Miller back to what has been an elite defense. And then now you're getting Von Miller back, but you're subtracting Tredavious White, which I don't even know if that's a positive uh, or a net positive for your defense. So... Buffalo, that that's a really, really brutal injury for for them to, to have to deal with going forward, especially on a week they have to go to London um, to, to deal with Jacksonville. Um, but Wait, the
0: Jags play in London back-to-back weeks?
1: Yes, yes. Cool, I didn't time know ever. that. That's great. That seems like a huge advantage for Jacksonville. So, I've heard both ways. I actually meant to bring this up, and I got sidetracked on the, on the Desmond Ritter stinking part of that game. Um do you think it's an advantage for Jacksonville to not have to adjust or is your week of practice going to be so weird and discombobulated that you're just going to be like ready to go home? I think it's a huge advantage. I mean, you got grass, you can
0: practice. It doesn't like, I don't know why, I don't know why practice would be that big of an issue. And I mean, I'd want to like sneak off and go see the sites, but these guys are millionaires. They can do that in the off season. So uh, yeah, I, I feel like that'd be a huge advantage for Jacksonville to be there. All, like, we have the whole, like, West Coast team travels east thing. Like, this is like East Coast team travels way east. So does that mean you're taking Jags plus five and a half against the Bills in London? I don't know about that. I'll have to think about it. After what the Bills just did to the Dolphins, it's hard for me to bet against the Bills. It feels like a good letdown spot, though. They got up for that game. hurt. You have to
1: and, go and to London really- now.
0: It really stinks for White as well because late 2021 he tore his ACL, missed half of 2022, and now he comes into 2023 and ruptures the Achilles. One of the top corners in the league has had a terrible run of injuries.
1: Yeah, McDermott. When McDermott was giving a a press conference about it, he sounded so despondent. Like he's like, "This just, you know, you know, you want to think that there's a reason for everything, but you watch this guy." worked so hard year in and year out and then yeah he just this happens to him twice in such a short short span yeah it, it was like the most despondent i've ever heard a coach about an injury really that wasn't like life threatening so but yeah it's it's a shame it, it's just terrible that you know buffalo keeps having these brutal injuries kind of uh their season i feel like von miller last year they were rolling early on looked like the best defense in football and then von miller went out for the year um, now I feel like you're getting the same thing here with Shudevius just when you were about to get Vaughn back.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, one fun fact from this game, fun little stat. You you know I like to pull pull these out, but teams coming off of 50-plus point victories. Yes, since 1970. Yes. I don't know if you've seen this one or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also from NFL research. are now 7-6, and six, so uh, just barely have a winning oh. record.
1: Well, I thought you were going to go the other way. I'm pretty sure. I could be off on this. I'm pretty sure now that teams scoring sixty plus are one in six against the spread and zero and seven straight up the following. Oh wow! Yeah, I hadn't seen that one. I I could be wrong, but I thought I saw that before this week. So um, yeah, it doesn't seem like uh, you know. Sometimes you make the joke like you get save those points for next week. Maybe that's true. And maybe, I did maybe. say, like, going into the game, the Bills beat the Commanders by 34. The Dolphins beat the Broncos by 50. Is it really that different?
0: Yeah, not really. One's more fun to talk about.
1: Yeah, or I meant the Dolphins beat the Broncos, I meant. I don't know if I said that correctly. I think but that's yeah, what that, you said. that's what I meant. Yeah. All right, well, let's go on to Carolina,
0: where the Minnesota Vikings beat the Panthers 21-13. to Carolina took a 13 to 7 lead into halftime, but the Minnesota defense shut out Carolina in the second half, and they helped their own cause with a fumble six to take the lead in this one. So, uh, Miami's defense, or excuse me, Minnesota's defense wins this game more so than the offense. Uh, Kirk Cousins threw a 99 yard pick six to Sam Franklin uh, in the first half to spoil what was a really good opening drive for the Vikings. Uh, this also coming one play after a holding penalty negated a touchdown to Justin Jefferson. So a little bit of miscues there. Vikings having a hard time getting out of their own way, but they do pick up the win over Carolina. My big thing from this game is it's just so hard to evaluate Bryce Young. I've got a buddy that's a Panthers fan and he's rolled down on the Panthers and asked me why Bryce Young isn't any good. And I'm like, well, I mean, he's, he's constantly under pressure. They don't have weapons. Like I thought he flashed accuracy in this time in this game when he had time to throw It's just not often enough. The the Panthers, I thought with the coaching staff they put together and drafting Bryce Young, they could push to win this division. It turns out the defense isn't as good as we thought. It turns out the offensive line's not as good as we thought, and none of the dart throws at wide receiver worked. And so I still think Bryce Young can be a good quarterback. I just think there's not much going on around him to help out right now.
1: Reich might be washed, too. You look at what Reich was doing last year, and he had bad quarterback play, but – Um, he's lost, I think he's like two and 15 in his last 17 games or something crazy now, um, as a head coach, but I just, Carolina has no surrounding talent around Bryce Young. It's hard to evaluate what Bryce Young is doing, but there's two points to take away from what the stat I'm about to give, but Miles Sanders had 13 carries for 19 yards in this game against a defense that DeAndre Swift rushed for a billion yards against. Like, there's obviously two points to make there, which is, one, situations are different. Carolina's offensive line is not Philadelphia's offensive line. So, obviously, those are way different situations, way different. It's not an easy comparison to make. But DeAndre Swift is so much more dynamic than Miles Sanders ever was. That, that's another just something I wanted to throw out there as a little jab, since, I, as you know, I was never a big Miles guy. Um, And I am a big Swift guy. So um, I think that Carolina just doesn't have any surrounding talent around Bryce. I thought Miles would be at least an average running back to have with him. And Thielen would step up to be an average receiver. And maybe one of the dart throws at receiver like Shark or Mingo or uh, Marshall or one of the guys that they had could step up. But the offensive line, as referenced by that rushing stat and by reference by Bryce Young's pressure stats, the offensive line is disqualifying this team from even being competent. And the Bears, while you can't feel good about the decisions you've made, at especially in your trade down, and you can't feel good about where you're at as a franchise, you do have the the first and second pick as of right now with your own pick and with Carolina's pick if you're the Chicago Bears.
0: Yeah, well, and that's that's the game that we're getting here,
1: Perfect uh, getting second. to
0: next here. Uh, you're you're really good at doing that. Just leading us into the I'm not even shuffling these around in my notes. This is the very next game. So we got Denver at Chicago. Uh, and Denver wins this game 31-28. to 28. Chicago jumped out to a 28-7 to 7 lead uh, in the late third quarter. And, and the headlines, Sean Payton can't hack it, were ready to be printed. Ooh. It was great. I, I was going to do a Photoshop thing of a magazine cover. And then what does Denver do? They claw back in. They get a fumble six, tie the game at 28, and then after a fourth down stop, Russell Wilson throws a 48-yard pass to my guy Marvin Mims to set up a go-ahead field goal. Now, I thought there's things you can be encouraged by offensively in this game if you're the Bears. Uh, Justin Fields looked good. Six explosive passing plays in the first half. He threw for 335 yards on 80% completion with four touchdowns. I mean, his his scoop and score fumble really hurt, but he, he threw the ball well. Although I do think that's more of an indictment of the Broncos defense that just gave up 70 points to the Dolphins than it really is a cause for celebration for Chicago. I mean, wide receivers were open everywhere. There was no pressure on fields. Like at the end of the day, I just think these are two of the worst teams in the NFL.
1: My, I don't have much to say on this game. My biggest takeaway from this game, I remember we had a clip that you put out that we were both laughing about. Last at the end of last year or this offseason where I said Matt Eberflues is either an absolute moron who should not be a head coach or he's orchestrating the most ambitious tanking job of all time by making sure he loses close games last year. Turns out he's a moron. <laughs> um, it turns out we have that answer. I think he's a terrible head coach. I don't think he's cut to be a head coach at all. That defense is awful, and that's all he's doing. The game management decisions are terrible. Um, they're a poorly run organization. Their defensive coordinator's like, arrested or whatever is going on there. Chase Claypool got sent home, and then they had to, like, put out a media release to clean up what their head coach said about it. Um, the, the Bears are just an absolute catastrophe from the front office, the ownership, the locker room drama the coaching staff, everything that you can mess up with an organization, the Bears have messed up in that organization. But like I said, at least you have right now the top two picks in an absolutely loaded draft class. Yeah, and then there should be like a flush noise after that, like flush, like (laughs) that's what this bowl was. It was the ultimate toilet bowl. Yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah, Uh, I did think, so two weeks ago, I canceled the Chargers, and then they won their first game of the year. Last week, I canceled the Bears, and I thought the Bears were about to go win their game and make me make teams. I canceled two and following the week in which I canceled them. But fortunately, Everflus got in the way, and that didn't happen. So my streak can end at one.
1: If that would have happened, we would have had to make you cancel the Eagles every week.
0: Yeah, I don't know, but at that point, I'm not sure if that works. It might only work for previously winless teams. I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah, like, yeah.
0: Okay, let's move on to the Baltimore Ravens at the Cleveland Browns. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens win this game 28 3. Not to say Deshaun Watson's been playing well because he certainly hasn't, but him being out and DTR starting in his place kind of robbed us of what I thought could have been a really good game. Uh, Not to take anything away from Lamar and the Baltimore offense that played really well. Uh, I said last week, this is the least yards allowed through three games this century by the Cleveland Browns Lamar Jackson ended with the same number of touchdowns as he did in completions four he was eight of nine for 136 yards and a touchdown when under pressure. He was in full command of this offense Uh and the Ravens now have a one game lead in a division that, uh, that we said was really tough. They've got a one game lead and they've done it while missing a staggering number of starters. We'll get to the Bengals in a little bit. I think the Bengals, I think they're done. I don't even think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, the Browns, they're, the, the Steelers are a catastrophe. And, and then you've got the Browns. So, who, their defense is really good. But that offense, I, I just think it's untenable. I think Baltimore's an easy, easy favorite to win this division four weeks in.
1: Yeah, I was actually thinking um, while I was driving home from work today about placing a, a future on Baltimore. Um, to either win the Super Bowl or AFC because of the reasons you just laid out. They are absolutely in the driver's seat with their division right now. Um, Pittsburgh, I think, is probably going to finish better than people are expecting. Um, After week one, people wrote them off. They won two straight. They didn't write back. Yeah, they didn't write back, exactly. (laughs) I do think they'll probably respond and get back to like four and four and they'll probably be an eight, nine win team. But their upside is limited. Cleveland's upside. Is very limited, in my opinion, by their offense. And then you have Cincinnati. I thought they'd bounce back this week, and they didn't. So who knows what's going to happen with them. At this point, you can definitely say it's fair to question if they can bounce back from this and if Joe Burrow will ever be healthy Joe Burrow this year. But Baltimore looks like a complete team with a ton of guys hurt. And the best part about those people being hurt is that none of them are hurt for the year or anything. They're getting most, besides Dobbins. Dobbins was a tough injury that they're going to have to deal with all year. Besides that, all their other injuries, from what I have gathered, are guys who will be back in the coming weeks. And maybe that means you're getting experience for your depth pieces, and that way you're ready for for any situation come playoff time. But I think the Ravens are a legitimate, legitimate uh, title contender. The only thing I'd like to see them do, and I hate to harp on the running back position because you know that I don't think it matters all that much, but it just feels like their running back situation is untenable. It feels like they need to go get a real running back that's not Melvin Gordon or Gus Edwards or Justice Hill. Um, I don't know who that is. Um, I don't know if it's making a splash trade for like a Jonathan Taylor or doing something like that, or if it's just going and getting – whatever the cam acres equivalent is that becomes available at the deadline or signing someone off the street, but they have to do some something to get Lamar a consistent option in the backfield, in my opinion. But outside of that, I think the Ravens have impressed me a ton with a ton of guys hurt. Yeah,
0: absolutely. They've looked really good and there wasn't really a ramp up period to getting the Todd Munkin offense working like we thought there might be. And so uh, I'm full steam ahead with Baltimore.
1: Yeah, it wasn't great last week against Indy. They had a tough game offensively, really mainly because they couldn't run the ball at all Mm -hmm. in that game, which I think comes down less to Todd Munkin's scheme and comes down more to just not having a dynamic running back. Uh, Right. But uh, I will say, I have a trivia question for you. How many games do you think Lamar has had in his career where he's had two touchdowns or two-plus touchdowns passing and two plus touchdowns rushing. Uh,
0: I think I saw this, and the answer is two. Is that right? This was the first one. Oh, it was the first one. Okay, okay. Isn't that shocking? That is, yeah. I remember I saw that. I thought I saw it was the second time, but
1: yeah, you would think that had happened before, but it... he, the the surprising part of it that when I looked it up after I saw it, he doesn't score that many touchdowns rushing as many as you'd think because we're. I think we're used to the touch push and we're used to Jalen. I don't even know how many touchdowns he had last year. I think whatever, 13, 14 in the regular season, and then five or six in the playoffs. But um, he, you know, Lamar doesn't get that amount of, you know, touchdown production from a rushing perspective.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's go on to a surprising team so far. It's the Houston Texans. Uh, they played host to the Pittsburgh Steelers and they weren't a very good host. Cause they just kind of beat them up all over the field. Uh, they won this game 30 uh, to six CJ Stroud shredded the Steelers defense. Now his completion percentage isn't great. If you're looking at the box score 16 of 30, but he threw for 306 yards and took no sacks playing behind a high school offensive line uh, against TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. Like I, I had money on T.J. Watt to get two sacks in this game. I mean, it was pretty plus odds, but I thought they would tear them up. No sacks. Uh, Nico Collins had seven catches for 168 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Stroud posted his third straight game of 250-plus passing yards, two-plus touchdowns, and no interceptions. That's the longest streak by any rookie since 1970, at least. It could be further. That's as far as NFL research went back that's just insane stuff from CJ Stroud. Uh, we were talking about off air. Will Anderson's been very good as well. Like as much as we buried the Texans for what they did in the draft, and I still don't think it's wise to give up what they gave up to go get Will Anderson. The Texans might've killed that draft. Like both of these guys look legit and regardless of what you give up, if you come out of it with a franchise edge rusher and a franchise quarterback, you didn't overpay. So, uh, Texans look really good. The Steelers look like a disaster. Uh, Kenny Pickett left the game with a knee injury. He was 15 to 23 for 114 yards and an interception before that happened. Matt Canada is a total joke, a moron. And I mean, the Steelers, the Steelers will end up with eight wins because it's Mike Tomlin and that's what they do, but they're not a serious football team until they get an offensive coordinator.
1: Since the start of 2021, the Pittsburgh Steelers are, so. The, I, I guess I should preface this by saying, the, since the start of 2021, the average amount of points scored in an NFL game by team in the NFL is 22.5. In games that the Steelers have allowed 22 or less, they are 19, 3, and 1. In games that they allow 23 or more, they are 1 and 15. That is astounding. Like, mm. there, I saw this one thread um, of a Steelers guy that I follow of just like all these stats that will melt your brain about third down stats about the offense, fourth quarter stats about the offense, um, Kenny Pickett stats this year compared to last year, um, especially like the end of last year compared to what he's been so far this year. Um, there are stats that will just blow your mind about like how is Matt Canada making probably like upwards of a million dollars to do his job this year, this poorly. It's he's literally like, never had a
0: 400 yard offensive performance. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's some, like, he's never had a top blank offense. Like it, it, it's, it's amazing that he was hired to do this job and it's even more amazing that he hasn't been fired from this job. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. All right. But let's... I, but I oh, I ahead. did I did realize that I didn't comment on Stroud at all. Incredible. He's looked nothing short of amazing. Um I can't remember the last time a rookie looked this good right off the bat. Um you'd have to remind me. Like when's the last time we had a really good rookie quarterback? Um Baker? I'd have to, I'd have to think on that. Yeah. Like Baker played really well his second half of the year. Um Herbert played really well, but they went like four and twelve um yeah i i can't think of one burrow got hurt I mean, pretty fast it, it's
0: too far back but i mean i, I remember ben roethlisberger yeah had a really a good rookie ago. that's a long time ago cam newton had a really good yeah cam, which, for R, sure. rg3 but i mean Definitely. those are still all like
1: those are still all way back i'm not thinking of anything that's really recent that's what i'm saying like cam rg3 had amazing rookie Dak. years. Dak had an amazing rookie year i guess that's 2016 so, that's yeah. not that long ago. Yeah. And, I mean,
0: yeah, Herbert was really good. The team wasn't. Didn't didn't, not, didn't Gardner Minshew, like, play really well as a rookie, too?
1: Yeah. That, yeah. Statistically, probably, yeah. He, he was yeah. definitely pretty good that year. Um, but I, I would say, yeah, I mean, Stroud has impressed me. As much as any rookie that we're – I mean, we're looking at it. As much as any rookie we can remember since Dak in 2016 – And I think the Texans and I want to go back and listen to some of our ASC South preview content in the off season, because I said a lot that I think, you know, we always see a team that gets the the first year head coach bump. And a lot of times it coincides with having a young quarterback. And I thought the Texans could be that team. It turns out the Colts could be that team as well, but the Texans really could be that team. Um, D'Amico Ryans has that defense playing a lot better football. Um, CJ Stroud looks great in what is like a Shanahan disciple offense with Bobby Slowick as the offensive coordinator. I wouldn't be surprised, by the way, to see him be a hot name um, in in head coaching circles this offseason. It's early, um, but what he's done with a rookie quarterback and CJ Stroud can't be ignored, um, and he's a Shanahan disciple, so people will love that. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bobby Slowick is is a name that you hear, um, but I. I, so let's do, Let's play a fun game. I guess we've talked about two of the four, so maybe it's burying the lead to talk about it now. Let me know after I propose it. There are four 2-2 two two AFC South teams. How would you rank them in terms of their likelihood to win the AFC South at this point? Um, Jaguars,
0: Texans, Colts, Titans.
1: I think I agree.
0: I, I could be I could be swayed. Colts Texans is close for me. Uh, Colts Titans is close for me. As that one's not particularly close for me, I'm just not impressed by the Titans. Like I don't trust the Titans. I, I know they just beat up on Cincinnati. They'll probably get blown out by somebody next week. That's what they've done so far this year. But um, yeah, Colts. I don't. Colts are tough. Like Anthony Richardson's been dynamic. He's also been banged up um i think i would give houston a slight edge there but Jacksonville's still far and away my number
1: one yeah i agree with the jacksonville point it really comes down to houston indian tennessee and how you rank it but houston's second for me and i wouldn't be shocked if they compete for a wild card
0: yeah all right let's move on to indianapolis you did it again uh where the los angeles rams <laughs> beat the colts 29 23 in overtime This was, was this the Colts' second straight overtime game? They did overtime against Baltimore last week, right? Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, second straight overtime game. Uh, The Rams jumped out to a 23-0 lead before giving up 23 unanswered points and finding themselves in overtime. Uh, Enter the man of the hour, Puka Nakua. Uh, Started overtime with a 20-yard reception, capped that drive with a touchdown reception. He finished with nine catches for 163 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Through four weeks in the National Football League, Puka Nakua has 39 receptions. Mark, how many receptions do you think he had his final year of college? How many? 48. (laughs) It's insane. Uh, What's going on there with him and Matthew Stafford and their connection is just insane. But uh, there were special teams miscues on both sides in this game. Indy missed a field goal. The Rams missed two field goals. Uh, Anthony Richardson started slow, but he really came alive in the second half. Led three touchdown drives, two successful two-point conversions to tie the game. Uh, ultimately, they
1: couldn't get it done in overtime, though. I just thought of a joke in my head, and I feel like there's a good chance it's been made already online. But let me know. Pokemon, got to catch them all. I feel like there's there's something there with a shirt. You make a I shirt, like it. You got Pikachu, you put Puka's head on it, got to catch them all, something like that. I don't know. That catch came out of my football. head. Yeah. I like catches it. I have not heard games. it. I like it. 39 catches in four games. The prior record for a rookie um, in their first four games was 30 catches, and it was by Anquan Bolden. So that's a, that's a record that stood for, like, almost 20 years. So what Puka's done is incredible, and it makes you think, was was Cooper Cup a system receiver? <laughs> like <laughs> – We put him in that like top receiver conversation because he put up historic numbers, but would Puka Nakua have just done that? Or is Puka Nakua also just elite. And now the Rams are going to be sick when they get Cooper Cup back coming in the coming weeks, maybe this week. Yeah. What if they're both just like once in a lifetime
0: receivers and neither of them gets credit because of the existence of the other one?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that might be what happens. (laughs) And it's a shame. Like I, I know that I have Puka Nakua in a lot of fantasy leagues I think there's a lot of people out there who aren't that plugged in to what's going on with Cooper cup. And they think like, Oh my God, I have this wide receiver one. Like this guy who's going to just keep being like a top five, top 10 receiver for the rest of the year. And I do feel like Cooper cup coming back. Like, I I don't know what the analogy is, but like Matthew Stafford has this like new girlfriend who he's been buying like a ton of flowers and like chocolate for. And then his like, famous ex-girlfriend moved back into town. And I, I think he's, I think his attention is going to be, uh, you know, towards Cooper Cup then instead of Puka. <laughs> that analogy kind of fell through, but uh, I, 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 stand behind it and I think Cooper Cup might end up uh, eating away at, at Puka Donch's, uh,
0: his target share. I do love when you start doing analogies and you're not sure where they're going to end up. It's one of my favorite things on this show.
1: yeah i i I try to do it i try to do it once a week
0: (laughs) all right we've got six games left here let's keep rolling on with the tampa bay buccaneers and the new orleans saints Uh, tampa bay beats the saints 26 to 9 baker mayfield went 25 of 32 for 246 yards and three touchdowns he put an end to the saints record of 21 straight games of allowing under 20 points I know he did throw a pick in the red zone, but the Bucks' defense bailed him out and forced to fumble on the very next play. As for the Saints, everything was a struggle. Their longest play of the day was 20 yards. Uh, Derek Carr was 23 of 37 for 127 yards. He attempted 14 passes behind the line of scrimmage, which is tied for the most in his career. I think it's fair to wonder if that shoulder injury was still bothering him this week.
1: Uh, yeah. Looks I like like okay. Can, there you, he is. can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. I got you now. Can you hear me? Yes. My bad. Um. Did did you did you reveal that Alvin Kamara had thirteen catches for thirty three yards in this game?
0: Well, I said that Carr attempted fourteen passes behind the line of scrimmage, which is the most in his career.
1: Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah like, I, I'm I guess wondering if the shoulder good,
0: injury man. was still bothering him this week.
1: Yeah. I, I think it was but those stats go hand in hand but 13 catches for 33 yards is one of the funniest stat lines I've ever seen in my life like that's just
0: the I would same be furious if I fought. played
1: against Alvin Kamara in a PPR league. Oh yeah, Somewhat it's actually funny. that you said that someone told me about that like oh Kamara came back for me and killed it. I was like I watched that game. He did not kill it. Like I was like what what and he showed me I was like oh he did have a ton of catches. I didn't even think about it but yeah, the Saints are not fun to watch play football. That it's that simple. I was excited for a potential Jameis Winston revenge game against Tampa Bay. And then you robbed the people of Jameis and you gave him, you know, Derek Carr with enough padding to be the Michelin man, and he clearly had no ability to make anything happen.
0: Bayou Kirk Cousins yeah exactly I, exactly I used to call him west coast kirk cousins i've got to change it now but bayou kirk cousins that still that still works
1: yeah i i miss i miss Jameis winston that's what it comes down to for me
0: all right let's go to tennessee we alluded to this game earlier cincinnati gets beat by tennessee 27 to 3 uh the titans and Bengals traded field goals on their opening drives which spanned the entire first quarter two drives the whole first quarter then after trading punts, Cincy punting twice, Tennessee once. Tennessee scored touchdowns on three straight possessions to take a 24-3 halftime lead. Ryan Tannehill threw for 240 yards and a touchdown with an interception. Derek Henry had 122 rushing yards. After their opening drive, Cincinnati punted on five of their remaining seven possessions. The other two were a fumble and a failed fourth down attempt. Joe Burrow completed 66% of his passes, 20 of 30 for 165 yards. I mean, he's a shadow of himself right now in the Bengals. The Bengals are not built like the 49ers or like the Eagles to sustain their quarterback struggling. He is their entire team. And if he's, as long as he's a shadow of himself, the Bengals are not a threat. I think the Bengals, I I think the Bengals are going to miss the playoffs. I think, and hindsight's 2020. I think they mishandled the Joe Burrow thing. I think you probably should have sat him the first few weeks and got the calf right. Obviously, I don't know what's going on there, but it's obviously still bothering him. We've seen him tweak it in games,
1: and I think their season is lost now. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I hate to say, like, let's move on to the next game. You said anything that I would have. Like, I think the Bengals season, if I were to guess, is probably over. I think it's probably too hard to recover in a really tough AFC. Um, I don't know if Joe Burrow will be able to just snap his fingers and be healthy Mm -hmm. at any point at this point, like they're not going to sit him down. So I don't think he's going to get healthy continuing to play. I think he should have been shut down immediately when that injury happened. And I totally agree with you. So it's hard to add anything. Tennessee, you have to give them credit. Um, Vrabel just every time you count them out and you think that, you know, it's finally done. They were one and two, they're an underdog. Back against the wall and they smoke Cincinnati. Um, they were just – they played FU football. Um, they had Jeffrey Simmons come in as a fullback a couple times. They had Derrick Henry take some direct snaps at different points of the game. Like, they just played man football in this game, and they outmanned Cincinnati. Um, and I guess the the positive taker – if you're out on Cincinnati and you think Cincinnati stinks, this is an Eagles standpoint thing. The Cincinnati Bengals were able to, like – out-tough the Rams on Monday Night Football and win a game 19-16. to And we're able to control the pace of a game and can kind of control the game. The Eagles are in a lot better shape than the Bengals, regardless of our concerns about their struggles. So the hope is, at the very worst, hopefully the Eagles can do that against the Rams. Just a thought I had when I was kind of studying the Eagles-Rams matchup.
0: Yeah. Uh, one more note on this game: Derrick Henry recorded his thirty-fifth 100-yard rushing game for the Titans. Uh, he trails Eddie George by one game and Earl Campbell by four games for the franchise record. So, four, five more 100-yard games for Derrick Henry this year. He will break that record, which is kind of cool to see.
1: His passing stats are historic too. I'm pretty sure. I I don't know about that. What? I he threw a touchdown in this game, right? Am I am I incorrect?
0: Uh. I am honestly not sure. I'd have to go look it up again. I think he did. I think I'm pretty sure Derrick Henry threw a touchdown in this game. Okay. I yeah, I didn't write it down if he did. I'm going to go look now though. So <laughs> I have my, to, my the people my have research to know.
1: skills are limited, but I'm pretty sure he, he did, did. And I'm pretty sure
0: one of one for 2 yards and a touchdown. Didn't even right. give the guy a perfect passer rating, 118.8 passer rating. <laughs> How does that work? It's just not enough yards to get up there.
1: Uh yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's, yeah. that is funny. But he, uh, I'm pretty sure that I saw some stat like if you started your career the way Derrick Henry's like passing career is, like you'd have the best start of your career in NFL history. Like, yeah, through through however many attempts he has, I could be wrong, but I saw some crazy stat about maybe that was just in the red zone or something. I saw some crazy stat about Henry.
0: Okay, I'm going to have to try to look that one up at some point too. But, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll
1: figure it uh, out from the account.
0: Yeah, okay, uh, let's move into the Sunday afternoon slate. We've got the Las Vegas Raiders at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers win 24-17. They had a 24-7 halftime lead. Uh, Justin Herbert sailed the deep ball in the third quarter for an interception that really opened the door for the Raiders to come back. Uh, the Raiders, who were starting a rookie quarterback in Aiden O'Connell instead of Jimmy G., he struggled. He fumbled twice in the second quarter. He was sacked seven times through an interception. Uh, Khalil Mack recorded six sacks in this game, Oof. one game, one sack shy of tying the single-game record of seven. Khalil Mack hasn't had a double-digit sack season since 2018, but he had six in this game. Uh, he, he also had none through the first three weeks, so he needs to find four more to get back into double-digit
1: territory. Yeah, this game was on drugs. Like every Chargers game is on drugs, but this one was insane. Like you said, the Chargers didn't score a point in the second half, and just, I, I normally that would cause me to come in and yell and scream about Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert did mess up his finger in this game and had like gauze on it, and then they had a glove on it. And Chargers medical staff that crack crack team seemed <laughs> to like not be able to figure it out. He had like a different contraption every time he came out, like a splint and all these different things that they had for him um, and he wasn't able to figure it out. He did have like a funny post game where he referenced Monty Python and said it was just a flesh wound and then they said was it actually and he said no nah, I'm just I'm just quoting a movie. <laughs> but it was I thought it was pretty funny but yeah the Chargers tried to lose this game it feels like um yeah. you know that's just what they do and at one point the Raiders had first and goal down 7 um, to, to, to potentially win this game. This is not an important takeaway. There's probably a lot more important things I could say about this game than what I'm about to. Josh McDaniels got saved from one of the all-time stupid blunder decisions in coaching history. Um, there was like one of the more clear, and this is bad officiating too, but one of the more clear touchdowns I've ever seen, Devontae Adams caught like two yards into the end zone and got tackled out of the end zone onto the one-yard line, and the ref somehow ruled him down on the one. And instead of challenging it, which was like a very clear win challenge, or what would have been a winnable challenge, Josh McDaniels had them sprint to the line and run a QB sneak that didn't work. And they ended up getting in on like third and goal. But if they didn't score there, in my opinion, Josh McDaniels should have been fired on the spot. And maybe maybe he still should be. But that was one of the more egregious coaching, you know, mistakes I've ever seen in, in in a game,
0: honestly. Well, I mean, to be fair, he never should have been hired. He should have been fired last year. Yeah. We could enumerate the times he should have been fired. But, yeah, the, the Justin Herbert thing, I'm, I just picture, like, the medical staff going up to Brandon Staley and be like, <laughs> it just so happens that your quarterback is only mostly dead. You know, there's a big difference yeah. between being mostly dead and all dead. Mostly dead means he's still alive. <laughs> That's kind oh, of what runs through my head with the whole Justin Herbert thing. But uh, to bring it back to your Derrick Henry point, though, Derrick Henry's career passing stats, uh, he is, he so he has started 106 games. He has six completions on seven attempts for 85% completion percentage for 25 yards and three touchdowns,
1: 121
0: passer rating.
1: Yeah, I saw something. There's something. There's something there. If you if you had that start, maybe the best first six passes or so. I, I don't know what the stat is, but yeah, Derrick Henry make him your quarterback. Maybe that's the maybe that's the answer. Someone needs to just give Derrick Henry all the money and make him their quarterback. Let Derrick Henry cook. If you gave the ball to Derrick Henry sixty times, maybe it would work. Like he would figure out a way to, you know, he'd, pass he'd probably it a throw times. like
0: he'd probably throw like. 60 passes he'd probably throw like 45 touchdowns if the stats bear out easily all right well if we're talking about derrick henry throwing touchdowns it's probably time to move on to the next game which is (laughs) the new england patriots at the dallas cowboys and after a disappointing performance against the cardinals the cowboys roared back this week winning 38 to 3 they only allowed 2.3 yards per carry Uh, they forced three mac jones turnovers including a pick six and a fumble six uh, after the opening field goal drive for new England, Dallas scored only six or Dallas allowed only six first downs on the next seven drives. And I just realized new England and Cincinnati both opened the game with field goals and never scored again. Um, Mac Jones was benched for Bailey Zappi in the late third quarter uh, after the game. When asked about it, Bill Belichick said he didn't see any point in leaving him out there at that point And that he is still the starting quarterback um, on the Cowboys side. They still, I mean, you're not going to complain about things in a 38 to 3 win, but they still struggled in the red zone. They started 0 of 3 in the red zone. They're 7 of 19 through four weeks in the red zone. And that's going to matter probably against teams that aren't the Patriots, but it didn't matter against the Patriots. And this is the largest margin of defeat in Bill Belichick's career uh, as the Patriots continue to struggle this year.
1: Yeah, I. Uh... I don't have anything to hear on the Cowboys. What I will just say is, like, I think Mac Jones is the perfect backup quarterback. Like, I think he's going to be just uh, your quintessential backup quarterback. He does not have it um, to be the starter. He makes too many bad decisions. But we have seen enough. Like, how do you justify the, like the Patriots winning 11 games a few years ago and making the playoffs and almost winning that division over Buffalo? Like, how did that happen? with Mac Jones in his rookie year. I I, I just don't understand how that occurred um, because everything that's happened since uh, it doesn't make any sense. That's um, another,
0: that's another one of those good rookie
1: years. Mac Jones had a pretty good rookie season. Yeah, he did. I wouldn't say he was even close to as impressive as Stroud has been though. No, 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 not at all. Yeah. So it, that's, that's the one thing I'll say about it, but successful wise, they were definitely successful in his rookie season. Um Yeah the Patriots very clearly should tank and and should try to get one of these prospects that are at the top of the draft. The question is, would they let Belichick stay around to pick him and stay around to develop him, Or is this going to be the last year of Belichick? Bye-bye. Yeah, it might be. I, I would
0: be happy to leave Belichick around as the coach, but him being the GM is a non-starter for me. Like, If if I'm Robert Kraft, I sit down with Bill Belichick and say, I'm hiring a GM, I'd love for you to stay and coach, but the GM is non-negotiable, and he will make all personnel decisions. That's probably the decision to make. Yeah. Also, the Falcons should go trade for Mac Jones. They'd make it to the playoffs.
1: I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah, I don't think I agree with that. No? I think Tampa would still be a little better. Mm. I think Tampa's going to win that division. Am I insane? No, I mean, they've looked good through four weeks. Yeah. I it's, I guess they looked horrible against us, but yeah, I, I just don't think it. I, I don't think, I think Atlanta's got more issues than just quarterback, but Mac Jones is better than Ritter, a lot better than Ritter, but I don't think he's that much better than Ritter.
0: Yeah, I think mean, he's he light years ahead of Ritter, but <laughs> yeah, it's fair. It's fair. There's, so, so are 31 other starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. So, okay, let's move on to Arizona at San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco wins 34 to 16. They jumped out to a quick 21 to 3 lead. Arizona cut it to a five point lead, but they just had no answer for Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Christian McCaffrey scored the 49ers' first four touchdowns. He had 177 total yards from scrimmage. Brandon Ayuk had six receptions for 148 yards on a day where George Kittle and Debo Samuel combined for one catch. San Francisco still had almost 400 yards. And that's why this this 49ers offense is so good. So many playmakers, such a good scheme. One guy, two guys can have an off game and it just doesn't matter. They've got enough weapons, enough talent to go around. Uh, On Arizona's side, Arizona's feisty. I mean, They could have folded, and they didn't. They battled back and made it a five-point game. They went for it on a fourth and seven from near midfield, ran a fake punt from their own 21-yard line. Arizona's not the dumpster fire that I thought they would be. Uh, San Francisco is on fire, though.
1: Yeah, they're the best team in football so far. They haven't played any good teams, but um, they have a big one coming this week against Dallas, coming to San Fran. In my opinion, I think San Fran will probably lay a beatdown um, but this is a big measuring stick to see are they truly this dominant team that we're all crowning them as? I think they probably are. Brock Purdy's never lost the game. He started and finished. Um, I guess the the natural conversation to have is, can Christian McCaffrey win MVP? In your in your opinion,
0: I think he could. But it's going to have to be something crazy because MVP is just a quarterback award. The, the last time a non-QB won the award, they set a record, a single-season record. So I think it probably takes that.
1: Yeah, I think Mahomes, Allen, and Hurts are all too good to allow it to happen. All of them will be on really good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Tua probably – I would probably still take Tua over – Uh, Christian McCaffrey in terms of who I would bet the first. Um, I I think the injury factor with McCaffrey is also important to note. Um, It seems like everyone's coming out and saying bet his MVP this week because they haven't bumped it up as much as you'd think they would. Um, And I think that's because of the injuries in part. Not that the quarterbacks can't get hurt as well, but McCaffrey has a history.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you talk right now, he's he's on pace for – 1,951 rushing yards and 26 rushing touchdowns. He's on pace for 600 receiving yards and four touchdowns. So, I mean, if you're telling me he's going to have 2,500 all purpose yards and 30 touchdowns, then yeah, I think he probably wins the MVP if he's able to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think he'll do that. But yeah. No, I don't. I don't I, to be clear, I don't either. Yeah. I agreed there.
0: All right, let's move on to our last game because, again, we are recording during Monday Night Football, and so we won't be talking Seattle, uh, New York Giants. Uh, But we'll talk Kansas City Chiefs at the Jets. Uh, And this game, again, I I feel like I've said this a lot this week. Kansas City jumped out to a quick lead, 17-0 in the first quarter, and then the wheels came off. Mahomes threw two picks. Uh, Juwan Taylor was called for a face mask that led to a safety they were ultimately able to pull it back with a 14 play field goal drive to take the lead at the end and win 23 to 20. But the chiefs did not dominate this game and Zach Wilson to his credit, he played the best game that he's played this year at moments. He looked good, but it wasn't enough. And on his final play of the game, he fumbled the ball back to Casey and they were able to close the game out. Um, Andy Reid, with this win, became the fifth NFL coach to win 250 regular season games. Uh, as the Chiefs improved to three and one,
1: yeah, I think the Chiefs. Uh, people are making much ado about nothing with the, the, you know, them collapsing in the second half and barely winning, and Mahomes throwing a couple picks. Uh, you know, I just don't think um, that there's anything to worry about with Kansas City. Um what I would say, I guess the conversation that I want to move towards, what did you think of the sauce Gardner holding penalty?
0: Um, I didn't like it. I, I don't really like that call. Um, I, but I can see how you throw the flag. It's kind of one of those. I would rather, I would rather you let them play there. Um, It seemed like to me, he's got inside leverage on the receiver. The receiver is trying to run an in breaking route and they like collide and Sauce Gardner's hands are definitely on the receiver when they collide. And I thought he let go. Like, I didn't think he grabbed on. I wouldn't have thrown a flag. If I was a Jets fan, I would be pretty livid that they threw a flag. Um, But I can see where the call came from.
1: Yeah, I thought that, you know, if we're going to get nuts about calls, I think there's like 100 worse calls every Sunday than that. Yeah, That's the only thing that I would say. And I feel like there was a ton of outrage I think this happens against the Chiefs a lot. Um, But, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. I I think it looks like a lot of holding calls that get called. And I thought there was a lot of outrage for it. And, you know, do I think would I have cared if they didn't call it? No. But I I do think the outrage was was phony. That's all I really – that's my take on that. But Chiefs are fine. Um, If anything, my takeaway from this game is not about Mahomes and the offense struggling – my takeaways: Oh, maybe the Chiefs' defense isn't quite as good as I thought it could be, um, because I thought that the Chiefs' defense looked top five through a couple weeks. But allowing Zach Wilson to do that is slightly concerning with how Zach, bad Zach Wilson's been in his career. So that's if any if anything's the takeaway, it's probably that. Yeah. All
0: right. Uh, Monday Night Football update here: uh, Geno Smith is in the medical tent with an apparent high ankle sprain. So. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, and also Jamal Adams in his first game back after being injured for like seven years, uh, got injured and left the game again. So uh that trade, man, that that was a brutal, brutal. But, brutal. but we won't know the outcome. It is seven to three closing in on halftime here at that game as we're gonna sign off here. So let's get into our final thoughts. Uh for my final thought, I'm gonna continue the tradition of canceling a team. Uh I have already canceled the Chargers until they fire Brandon Staley. I've canceled the Bears. Uh Today, I'm canceling the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Two straight blowout losses in which Desmond Ritter has looked hopeless. Taylor Heineke is on your bench. He's on your bench for this reason. I am canceling the Falcons. I reserve the right not to care about them until they start an actual NFL quarterback. Uh, I may uncancel them if they decide to bring Taylor Heineke out. But until such time as they do, the
1: Falcons are canceled. My final thought. My two weekly auto bets which are Jalen Hurts' anytime touchdown and Jake Moody, the 49ers kicker, over 7.5 points, did not cash this week. Do you know what that means, Shane? Double down this week. Double down this week. It's not going to happen two times in a row. You look at the numbers behind those plays, and they suggest that you play it for the next five weeks, even if they fail to do it the next five weeks. So just keep doubling down. I trust the data is, is what I'd say. That's my final thought. Can I interest you in another automatic kicker-related bet? Uh, I thought you were going to say automatic anytime touchdown and throw Anthony Richardson at me, but what's your kicker bet? Jake
0: Elliott, over one-and-a-half field goals. They keep setting the line at one-and-a-half, and and the Eagles keep struggling in the red zone. And By the way, you don't even have to get to the red zone. Get to the 45, and it's pretty much automatic. So Jake Elliott, over one-and-a-half field goals is one that I've hit each of the
1: last two weeks. Yeah, that's that's a good bet this year. The funny thing about that is in the past, Sirianni was so aggressive on fourth down yeah. and limited his field goal attempts, but he's had a ton this year.
0: Now, I will say it was all the way down at like minus 158 this last week. Mm-hmm. So it's not very good odds on that one, but it, it's cash, so. All right, well, that is going to do it. Uh, Thank you for joining us for episode number 125 of Chalk Chalk Talk. Thanks to Miss Chris in the comments to Clutch City with the donation coming in clutch there. We really appreciate you guys joining the show. We will hopefully be back in our normal time slot next week. Hopefully we won't have any scheduling conflicts. Um, But if you're enjoying what you hear on this show, be sure you smash that subscribe button. Turn on notifications so you don't miss our next episode no matter when it goes live. Uh, drop us a five star rating and review if you're listening on an audio podcasting platform. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at Shane Half NFL. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. We will catch you guys next time.